guardian angels and patron saints, pray for us. Well, tonight we celebrate and reflect upon this gift, this tripartite threefold gift, the Eucharist, the priesthood, and the call to fraternal charity, drawn together into a braid, the Last Supper, an icon of each of these. We celebrate, first and foremost, the institution of the priesthood, and uh, for that reason, we're especially glad to welcome Matt Glazier, who's tending to liturgical needs right now, but uh, an alumnus here of, of the university, who is now currently studying for his home diocese of Wichita, originally from Madison, Kansas. He's here uh, to celebrate with us tonight while on break for Holy Week, so we're very glad that he's here and ask your prayers for him and the others who are currently studying for the priesthood who have passed through these doors of the Diddy Center. The priesthood, of course, can only make sense to us in light of the Eucharist. The Eucharist is the goal of our faith and therefore the goal of the priesthood. Everything about priesthood is at the service of the Eucharist to make it present, to make it available, hopefully readily available as the sustenance for the Christian people and the Christian life. But so too it is the source of the priesthood. A great love of God in the Eucharist is the source of a true priestly vocation. The closeness that one has with the Lord in in light of his Eucharistic gift of self, making himself so small as we see him do in the gospel reading today, taking off his garments to wash the feet, to do the work of a slave for his disciples. Great love for God in the Eucharist is what calls one to spread that infinite love that is cradled in in our hands, that is received on our tongues, that are handled unworthily by a priest at every Mass. These reflections on the priesthood and the, and the call to return to the roots, the sources of a vocation reminded me of an event earlier this year. I was able to participate, uh, can celebrate in a, a funeral for uh, a young man here in the area. Many of you knew him. Uh, it was an interesting thing that stood out to me because uh, it was a primarily Hispanic parish and Everyone that was there at the funeral, practically speaking, was of Hispanic descent as part of that community, very tight-knit community. But I noticed that there were, there were no Hispanics on the altar. There were three gringos up there, me and, and a couple of others, to perform the, the sacred rites of laying this man to rest, this young man. For he was young. He believed he was 19. He was murdered. He was murdered to send a message The message being, we control you. We tell you when you can sit and when you can stand, when you can leave and when you can stay. You disobeyed, and so we're going to make an example of you. And and they did. Certainly they did. A very cruel and malicious and ugly example. It was a message. I'm certain that at least half of the people, if not more, who were in that church that day for that funeral knew exactly who had murdered that young man. 
That was the whole point. That was, you were supposed to know so that you would stay in line. You wouldn't deviate from your orders. And as I, I sat there in the sanctuary, this didn't occur to me at the time, but I, I'm cursed as, as a slow-witted individual to always come up with great things to say five minutes too late. It occurred to me later, as I saw that assembly of people, and I saw all of his friends, young men, lined up to honor him, to express their grief and sorrow and support that family. I looked out at them, and then I look up at the crucifix. I look back out at them, and I look back out at the crucifix, and I thought to myself, we're, we're missing something here. We're missing something really important. And I think that's why none of them are up here with us. I guess what I'm trying to say is, I wanted to scream out, this young man is more alive right now than the people who murdered him. You see, because he wasn't willing to comply with the lie. He wasn't willing to go along in disobedience to the truth that had been planted in his heart. Whatever compromises he had had to make, he had struggled to free himself from that evil, and he paid a steep price for it. You see, that's, that's exactly what needed to be pointed out. That young man is more alive because he is a witness to the truth to the reality that God does not abandon those who serve him. Even though you die, you shall live forever. And it present, that, that point presented itself forcefully to me because it made me ask, have we as a church, have we as priests, borne witness to the truth that we have died with Christ and that our life is now hidden with him and God, safe from anyone who would take it? no matter how cruel, how malicious, or how, how humiliating they may try to disfigure us. No matter how forcefully and spitefully our enemy attacks. Have we as a church borne witness to that truth, or do we comply with the lie? Do we find our ways to make peace with it? The great Alexander Solzhenitsyn, another dissident figure imprisoned in the Soviet Union for many years for his determination to tell the truth said in his address to the class of the graduating class of Harvard University in 1978 he said you can resolve to live your life with integrity let your credo be this the lie can come into the world it may even triumph but not through me. This is what it means to be a martyr. We think of that as a, as a bygone age. We're living in the age of martyrs now because every age is an age of martyrs. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. To witness to the truth that he has opened the way, what appears to be the end, what appears to be the total destruction of your life is not. 
That's a lie. It's an illusion. The truth is that we, we now live in him. And his kingdom has no end. It is those who are willing to suffer and die. Needlessly, as the world would judge. They are the ones who bear witness to the goodness, the truth, the beauty, the love of God. And lift our paltry, decaying world up into eternity. Another political prisoner, a Czech, Václav Benda, when he was released after serving a four-year prison term because he refused to collaborate with the political police, the secret police. When asked, why were you imprisoned? Why, Why didn't you find a way to sneak out? He said, you see, there's this commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness. It's all those who choose to live in the truth. Millions of them, nameless, unnoted people who have suffered and died. And often many million more, far less dramatically, who have lived in the service of that. So that the true and the good and the beautiful don't just melt away. They are the salt of the earth, truly. It is they who remind us of what it means to be human. Because if we can't live according to the truth, if we, if we simply know it as an abstraction, but never let it take hold of our hearts, what sets us apart from the beasts who live according to instinct? Nothing. That truth lifts us out of the flow of time into eternity. It's those who bear witness to this that gives us our identity, our place within the cosmos as ones who live at the intersection between time and eternity and bring the eternal into time. Give us a taste of that, that transcendence and that love. You know, recently we took a, a little retreat, went up into the mountains, spent some time in the desert over spring break, and uh, one of the members of the crew when I asked what her impression was of, of the trip, said, you know, it was strange that we spent so much time on mass. We spent a lot of time on mass. A significant point that she made, because of course I take that for granted, but when you're waking up at 5 a.m. and walking for 10 miles, trying to catch up on the sleep that you missed the night before with a little afternoon nap, trying to feed yourself, Stay hydrated, not get sunburned. All those things, they could very easily occupy an entire day. But we chose to carve out that space because without it, what were we doing? We were having a fun time on spring break. But with it, time was lifted. It was lifted out of its its flow, this never-ceasing river, up into a point where we could rest where we could be filled, where we could hear the voice of God and converse with him. That same certainty that our lives are hidden with Christ and God, that no one can take from us, neither death nor life, nor principalities nor powers, nor any other 
anything else, any other force, take from us. That is also what allows us to put our lives at the service of our neighbor. And so the third strand of this parade comes to light, Eucharist, priesthood, and charity. In other words, mission. To go out, to find what is missing and supply it. Not according to our own strength, but with the heart of Christ. All these things tonight, we ask, would once again illuminate our our eyes, inflame our hearts, and draw us deeply, deeply into this calling that has been given to us by our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.